Well, good morning, Ascent. It is so good to be with you all on this morning. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice, not Quincy, by the way. That wasn't me on screen, if you were wondering. Um, but I am excited. That's right. I am excited that Quincy is here. He's joining us. It doesn't hurt to have another brother on the team. You know what I mean? Add a little bit more flavor to Ascent. That's right. Amen. I'm excited, excited to be able to play some uh, spades and dominoes with a, a friend of mine. And dominoes isn't just you set them up and watch them be knocked down. It's actually a game that you can play. And so I'm excited about my friend Quincy being here and all the giftedness that he's going to bring to that particular area. Um, before I get started, I have a whole spiel of the intro that I was going to do. That saxophone player. Oh, my gosh. Josue, if you are in the room, brother, oh my goodness, that dude is playing the sax and all of, I'm just worshiping it. where I come from, you, like if a person's really good and musician wise, you just like make a face like they stink. And it's just like, my entire worship was just like this, like, oh my God. And then if they're really good, if you saw me, I'm like, wave, you like wave the funk away, like, oh my, go ahead and play, brother. Josue was playing, oh my goodness, and worshiping. And it was just such a, that was something that was just so amazing. I just really wanted to give a shout out. Uh, so, Jose, shout out, shout out to you. <laughs> shout out to you. Um, today, as we get started with our time, as we move further into our gathering, I should say, um, if you're new here, I just want to shout you out. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part. We never take it lightly for somebody that's joining us, especially for the first time or first time-ish. So we appreciate you. For those of you who are in the room and if you're watching online, whether it's live or a week from now, and you're tuning in to hear what God is saying, what is happening here at Ascent, shout out to you as well. One more particular shout out. If you didn't notice, we have our middle school section back in the back room again. Yes, shout out to our middle schoolers who are going to be finding their way, a place where they belong. Make sure you save some cereal for a brother. I see they got a cereal bar back there as well. Well, listen, I don't have my normal time allotted to me this morning, so I have to move quickly into our time. A little bit further into our gathering, we're going to be um, engaging in the spiritual practice and, and sacrament of communion. What that means, what that looks like, I'm going to detail a little bit later, so hang tight for that. Um, but if you're on your way in, you've probably seen a communion cup, or uh, if you don't have one, we'll have an opportunity later for you to get, uh, hold one or to get one as well. Um, we are in a particular moment where we're finishing one series, and then next week we are starting another series. And in between, I get a chance to have a moment to just press what God has been putting on my heart. Um, and as we start our time together, I, I actually think it's important to just slow down for a moment. I want to pause. Not too long ago, I was reading in Scripture the book of Exodus. And in particular, in the book of Exodus, it is starting to detail a group of people who find themselves in a wilderness. And as they're in this wilderness experience, things are hard. Life is not good at all. And God hears their cry. But God gives a specific examples of, excuse me, specific instructions of how he's going to reveal himself to this group of people. And what he, what he tells that group of people is to every morning seek my face and I will give you daily bread, spiritual nourishment. This morning, Ascent, as we engaged in the preached word of God, I want us to meet God in this moment. I'm going to give you just a little bit of a pastoral nudge to meet God with expectation this morning because we firmly believe that God still speaks. And it's his word that gives us spiritual nourishment. It's his word that gives us life and breathes life to our souls. And I'm excited about that. I get encouraged by that. And that's going to be my prayer for us this morning. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? 
God, we come uh, humbly before you. We thank you for this moment, and I pray, Lord, as I step into this moment, that you stand in my body, that you speak through my lips, hide me behind your cross. May you get the glory this morning. And may we see, recognize, and move closer to you knowing that only you are our daily bread and only you are able to provide us the spiritual nourishment that we are all in need of. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's a particular story that I came across one time and it's the story of a man who was running late to the airport. He wakes up late in the particular morning. He slept through his alarm clock. He's gathering all of his belongings. He's trying to rush out the door. He's putting on mismatched socks. He's throwing everything to his luggage. He's throwing everything into the car. He's barely able to brush his teeth. His hair's all messy. He throws on some clothes, but he's able to get in the car. He checks his watch, and he's flying down the highway. He pushes through traffic. He makes his way to the airport. He parks his car. He gets out, grabs his bags. He runs in. He checks in. They give him his ticket. He checks his watch again, and he's making his way through. He gets to TSA. He puts his laptop bag. He pulls out his laptop, all the different things. He puts it through the, you know, the belt or whatever the case may be. It gets scanned. He checks his watch again, and he got a little bit of time. Once he makes it through TSA, he begins to run. That person that we've all seen in the airport running through, backpack jumping up and down, he checks his watch one more time, and as he checks his watch, he hears over the intercom his particular gate, and they're closing the doors. This is the last call. So he's sprinting as much as possible. He's huffing and puffing. He's out of breath. He's waving the whole time, and the person at the gate sees him waving from a distance. It's in this moment that the person keeps the gate open. He makes it to the gate. They let him in. He's huffing and puffing. He stumbles onto the plane. He finds his seat. He gets to his seat. He, makes his sit, he sits down. He takes a big gasp and exhale and says, I made it. And it was in that moment that he remembered that because he takes Uber and Lyft 99% of the time, he parked his car in departure, loading and unloading only. <laughs> Why do I tell that story this morning? Because I believe as we are settling into our routines, as we're moving into this middle of August, going into September, our rhythms are naturally changing. Our routines are naturally settling in. If you got kiddos, you're getting into that school system and get that bedtime. If you're a person who's, uh, as, who's been traveling throughout the summer, your summer, you're traveling somewhat is settling down and you're getting into a rhythm and a routine. But if we're not careful, like the man in that story, that as we settle into our routines, if we're not careful, we all have the proclivity to let the demands of life cause us to miss what's important. We all have this, this proclivity to let demands and how life and the rhythm of life cause us to miss what is important. Now this morning, if I asked you the question, what is important to you? I think there would be a variety of answers. If there's a couple hundred people in this room, it'd be a couple hundred different answers. For some of you in this room, you're stepping into this moment and what is important to you is uh, the next job promotion. And that's on the forefront of your mind. Like that's the thing that's just been at the forefront of your mind. You just keep thinking through, how do I get to the next stage in my career? And I'm desiring this promotion and I gotta do this and I gotta work with this colleague and how do I make sure I do this and set up where I can do, be good here? Whatever the case is, the next project. For some of you in the room, it's not career. For some of you in the room, it's the significant other. You're thinking about how important that is. 
I was just talking with a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine, uh, this couple of, uh, that's getting married in October, and uh, that's the thing that's on the for- forefront of their minds. That's all they can think about is, is thinking about uh, all the planning that goes with wedding, and I'm asking them questions. I'll be officiating the wedding, and so I'm asking them questions, and they're just like, everything is all wedding. And they're just sitting there, and I'm like, you know, all the, the, the wedding cards, everything is just, that's the thing that's important to them right now. For you, some of you, you're in this room, and with all the economic craziness, maybe you're thinking about what's important to you as it relates to keeping your business afloat. Maybe for some of you, it's continuing to figure out life when it comes to having a newborn. All of us have things that are at the forefront of our minds and that is important to us. And isn't it true also that what is important to us is how we kind of filter the lens that we filter life through? Like if what's important to you is your kids, you're seeing life through the lens of your kiddos. You want things to be safe. You want things to be good. You want their, you know, all the things to be nice. You want things to be set up. You want to make sure that all things are going well. You want to make sure that they're part of programs. You want to make sure that they're getting in community. You want to make sure that they're having fun, but sure they're also teaching them lessons. And you're doing the best as you can as a parent. You're trying to make sure you're seeing things through this lens of your kids. If that's the promotion, if that's work, if that's family, if you prioritize family, if that's important to you, you a lot of times see life through the lens of family. Today, the text that I want to read for us is really important because we see this first century Jewish man by the name of Paul write to us of what is what he calls most important. Because isn't it also true that if all things are all important, then nothing's important? Like if everything is urgent, if everything is most important, then really nothing is important. And what Paul leans into and presses is what is most important as followers of Jesus, if we're going to follow in the way of Jesus. It's the, title, it's the entire uh, title of this theme for this morning is being reminded. And you'll see why in just a little bit. But Paul, he writes this letter to this church in Corinth. Give me a moment. I'm going to slow down and just give a little context of who Paul is and then the church. And then I'm going to really lean into why that applies to us. Paul, this first century Jewish man, is a business owner who also has a prestige resume. Ethnically, who he is, what he does, he has a resume, accolades, the whole nine. Who he has sat under, who has taught him, all the different things in that day, which they would highlight as this is, makes a person of high status. This person, by the name of Paul, is writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Now, the church in Corinth is a jacked up church, y'all. I mean, church full of drama which in some ways is a little bit relieving because it makes me realize like, okay, even back then church was full of chaos and God had his hand on it. You know what I mean? God still worked his way through it. Like this church is going through all sorts of stuff, drama as it relates to to, to food that they can eat, the way that they worship, marriage, all sorts of things. And they're just going through it. And Paul is writing this letter to address this particular problems. And what I'm going to read for you is Paul is actually not just describing a problem, but he's actually leaning into why we must see this problem through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to read for you 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We don't assume that everyone has their Bibles, but if you do have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, We'll have it on the screen for you as well. If you do need a Bible, if you're a person who's wanting a Bible, we have free Bibles that's in the back. We hope that you take one because so much of how we live our lives is through these scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says these words. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you 
if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Verse 3, I passed on to you what was most important. I passed on to you what was most important and I had also been, that had also been passed on to me. What is most important? Paul says it right here. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures had said. I passed on to you what was most important. Now, I'm going to go into a little bit of a fast lane here. I want you to keep up with me, but I'm going to jump into the fast lane just a little bit. I'm going to make an assumption also as I'm not going to have much time to lay the groundwork when it comes to what is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a whole six-week series sermon that I don't have time to get into right now. But the essentials Paul lays out is that Christ died for us, died for our sins, and he showed his love on that cross. But I don't want to necessarily get to the gospel just yet, but what I want to really lean into is how Paul says, I remind you of this, of what's most important. I remind you of what's most important. Paul is writing to a group, a, a particular church here, a particular people who are calling themselves followers of Christ or Christians, as we would say in today, in today's time. Which begs the question for me, maybe not for you, but for me, why would Paul need to remind a group of church followers, a group of Christ followers, I should say, people who call themselves Christians of the gospel? Why does he see that it is necessarily, necessary to perpetually preach the gospel to a group of people who have already accepted Jesus, who already consider themselves saved in God's sight and moving forward, having a relationship with God? Why is it important for Paul to remind them of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I believe Paul reminds them of the gospel of Jesus Christ because just like then and just like now, if we are not careful, the good news of Jesus can easily become the old news of Jesus. And we often have a proclivity to leave it as something that used to happen, that happened back then. And the good news now becomes something that is in the background. The gospel of Jesus is like, yeah, I got saved 20 years ago and I started following Jesus and, and you left it as something that was supposed to be back then. But my main point this morning, if you catch it, I want you to know, if you catch it early, I won't have to preach as hard, okay? But if you see this, I want you to just know, God, the power of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to not only save, but to sustain. I'm going to say it over here. The gospel of Jesus Christ not only has the power to save us, but to sustain us. And this is important for all of us this morning. And I'm particularly preaching and speaking to a group of people who identify as Christians. Do you have to be a Christian to be in this place and find community and belong? Not at all, but we encourage you. We do have a motive that you find Jesus Christ because we know that there is life found in Jesus Christ. But for those of you who do say that you are followers of Jesus Christ, I want to make sure that I lean into the words of Paul this morning and remind you of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it was not only for your salvation of saving you so that you can get to heaven, but salvation as relates to holistically down here on earth as well to sustain you, to keep you. Jude chapter 1 verse 24 says, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. I know we serve a God of second chances, but we also serve a God that is able to keep us. And this morning, as I speak to you, Paul says it over and over again. And what I love about this is that as I 
took a deep dive into Paul's words. He writes to, uh, to the church in Rome and believers in Rome, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He writes in Romans chapter 1, verse 13. He writes in Galatians chapter 2, verse 23. He preaches the gospel to Christians. Ephesians 1 and 2 preaches the gospel to Christians. Philippians 1 and 12 Chapter 1, verse 12, preaching the gospel of, to Christians, reminding them of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must, as people who are following in the way of Jesus, be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it wasn't just a one-time thing. The power of, the, of Jesus Christ, you will see further in, uh, into our, our moment in our gathering, is that it is wide and it is deep for every single person. And not only that, it's something that renews our souls. It refreshes us. I was having a conversation with a friend not too long ago, and we were having a conversation, and I'm what you kind of call like a fixer. If there's any fixers in the room, you can raise your hand. Fixers where you're just like, you know what, I, you know, uh, scrape on the knee, Band-Aid. Uh, fire, water. i just like, let me figure out what it looks like to get to the solution, right? And I'm sitting here and I'm listening to, the, uh, to my friend. He's talking and we're kind of having this conversation. And I can just start to hear myself of like looking for answers. And I know this isn't right, but I'm just like wired that way of like, how can I provide, how can I give a solution to this? How can I offer some advice? My wife, processor. She, she like, she's like one who's like, okay, if it's fire over there, then why is it not over there? And I'm like, I just need to put out the fire. Like, just, just, let's finish it. Let's just fix it. And she slows me down. She helps me process. And so I'm sitting in this moment, and I know I should just be in the moment. But all I can do in my mind is try to think, how can I figure out this problem? How can I figure out a solution to this? And I walked away because I wasn't able to offer anything. And I walked away from it, and I'm like, and it really bothered me. I was like, God, why wasn't I able to give some sort of encouragement, some sort of like something. You didn't give me a scripture. I didn't think of nothing. I didn't think of anything that I could, uh, a book to reference, a person that I could point this people to, this person to. And I just sat with that. And it told me for like a week or so. And then I really just started to sit with it. And I really felt God like really pressing on me as I started to prepare for this message. How much we often just overlook the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of how much, and sometimes we just need to be reminded of how good God's grace is, of where we are and what it looks like, of who we used to be and who we are today, and how that impacts our souls at such a deep level. I'll show you my answer a little bit later when it came to my friend, but this morning I got three points for us and I'm out of your way to let you know why we must be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, it reminds us, uh, reminds us of our position in Christ. We must perpetually preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it reminds us of our position in Christ. Can I let you know that you are sons and daughters of God, that God loves you. And the Bible lets us know that we are seated in heavenly places. These are words that remind us of who we are in Christ. And I often think to myself, how often do we remind ourselves of where we stand in Christ? Like, do you live from a place of knowing you're in Christ? Do you fight from a place of knowing you are in Christ? Or does shame sometimes get the best of us? Or insecurities get the best of us? Or the sin that we're so entangled with get the best of us? And sometimes we are so sin conscious that we're focused so much on our sin that we are not Son conscious, S-O-N, that we focus on Jesus Christ and we're so focused on the things that we struggle with 
And I'm here to let you know that when you're reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ and your position in Christ, you're reminded that Christ died for our sins. And not only that, that sin was defeated on the cross. That I know you can't handle it. Hey, some, Maurice, I don't know, I'm struggling with this, I can't figure it out, I can't, I can't do this, and I can't do I know you can't, that's why we need Jesus. And when we remind ourselves of who we are in Christ, our position in Christ, that makes us be a little bit more, stand firm. Isn't that what the scripture said? This, verse 2 where it says, you stand firm in this salvation that you have. We all need to be reminded of who we are in Christ. I was talking with another friend not too long ago, and he sat me down, and we were talking. This was a couple years ago, and I sat down with this particular person, and he began to tell me some of the things that his dad has been talking to him about. And he's been struggling in his faith. He's been wanting to walk away. It's not really working out. And he's been really sitting and struggling with what it means to follow after Jesus. His dad began to say some different things as it relates to sin stops you from being, sin, sin uh, stopping God from being in his son's life. And his dad kept telling him that some of the things that you're doing, you're not living up to this. You're not doing enough. You're not being enough. And just these words, and I begin to listen to this young man. I'm, he's in college. I'm a few years uh, older than he is. And I just sat there and I just begin to hear. And I really believe that God really pressed it on my heart. This doesn't happen all the time, but God really just pressed it on my heart. And, he, and I can see that this particular person wasn't making the distinction between his biological father's voice and the voice of God. And I stopped him and I paused him for a moment and I said, tell me now, you've been telling me what your dad has been saying about you. Can you tell me what God has said about you? And he was stunned for a moment. And I said, let's just sit there for a moment. Let's just, I need you to tell me because I, you've been telling me what dad has been saying and I'm not here to, to crucify dad, but I just want you to really see what's happening in this moment. And I really asked him, and I said, now tell me, what about this? And I actually pushed him, because this was like a mentor relationship, and I really had him articulate, what does God say about you? How does Jesus Christ articulate the value and love that he has for you? Does he over put an emphasis, uh, over emphasis on the things we struggle with and the sin and things that we may be falling into or the life and how, how it's getting hard and anger and some of the bitterness that we're carrying and some of the things that, we're, that we can't get over? Or does he start to really articulate who you are in him? A new identity. This morning, I wonder what it would look like if we woke up and reminded ourselves of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When's the last time you reminded yourself of who you are in Christ? Are you holding on to a narrative that you're not enough? Are you holding on to the gospel truth that you're more than a conqueror? Are you holding on to you keep failing and sucking as a husband? Or are you holding on to I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? What are you holding on to? What report will you believe this morning? Will it be the things that you're seeing in life, the things that, the narratives that you keep telling yourself, or will you line that up with what God says about you and live into that truth? This letter that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth is letting them know this new announcement, this identity that they have in Christ. We must perpetually remind ourselves. And when I say preach, I'm not saying from upstage, I'm on stage. I'm not talking about from a, a pastor, a person with a title. I need you to start preaching to yourself. God tells us that we need to perpetually be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
not only for the reminding us of our position in Christ, but reminding us of point number two, the character of God. The character of God, I think, is very important. Verse number two says these words. I'm going to read it in your hearing. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Some of us need to be reminded of the character of God. I want to take a moment here because I believe we're seeing a lot of things right now happen in the Big C Church. Happen as it relates to people who have maybe grown up in church or maybe not grown up in church. And I believe that there are some things that we are all, a lot, of, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people are reckoning with as it relates to the Jesus that they're following. And they're disgusted. Some of you in the room right now, you're disgusted with the Jesus that you've been following. And from, 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 from what I know, sometimes it can kind of be this conglomerate of like our experiences plus like what grandma said and then like what I see on the news and like the craziness and like they're throwing around like this evangelical word and then like I'll take some of that and put that on here and kind of mold this Jesus and then like my neighbor who's like really anti-Jesus and then he's like bringing up stuff of like, do you know like there was another person who has a resurrection and, and has me questioning things and so I kind of put that over here and I'm kind of forcing this thing to be this Jesus, and it's not serving me well. Like this Jesus that some of us have in the room has not been good. It's not think, it's something that is serving. It's not for our best interest. And you feel like walking away. As your pastor, can I give you some encouragement? Walk away from that Jesus. I'll help you pack your bags. That's not the Jesus of Scripture. That kind of forcing of this is, and then I've seen this, and then from my experience, and then over here on the news, and then I've seen this in life, and then this bad representation of God who says that they're a Christian, but they do some wild things, they say some crazy stuff, and then I'll put that over here, and then that's Jesus. And none of that is Jesus of Scripture. None of that is showing the character of God. And you're sitting there, and you're saying, I'm disgusted by this. This isn't doing me well. I'm walking away from that. Please walk away from that. Run. Get out of there. Do not serve that. Amen. Do not serve that Jesus at all. This is not who we see in Scripture. That is not the character of God. So we must perpetually be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it reminds us of the character of God. We don't say that we should we encourage every single person to have a Bible and download it on your phone or grab one physically so that you can just kind of be this religious person who has a bunch of streaks and say, I read Scripture every day. We firmly believe that Scripture informs us and shows us who God is and the love of God. And that Jesus that some of us have kind of crafted and kind of feeling disgusted by and kind of wanting to walk away from, please leave that Jesus. To the left, to the left, everything in the box you own, to the left, if you're any Beyonce fans in the room. Amen. Get on up out of here. Seriously, though, I think there's some things that we must really reckon with, and as we're kind of pulling apart the things that we see that is not lining up with the character of God we know, then those things have to go. And I can guarantee you what you're left with is the beauty, the majesty, the, the amazing power of who God is and the character of God who we've seen on the cross. So point number one is we need to perpetually be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it shows us our position in Christ. Point number two is the character of God. And segueing right into number three is it reminds us of the cross. We must perpetually be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it reminds us of the cross. The power of God is not only to save but to sustain us. 
And some of us in the room right now, we are walking in and we're kind of carrying some things in life as it relates to our relationship with God. We feel stuck. It feels like we're going in cycles. It feels like things have like dried up and we keep talking about the yesteryears of how faith used to be. Can I let you know that it wasn't just a one-time deal that was supposed to happen for the first four years of your life and that was when you were on fire. The depth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is so powerful that it not only saves, but it sustains us. It keeps us. It renews us. It refreshes us. And I know that sometimes it can feel like, well, that's really elementary. But Paul saw that it was necessary that we continually say over and over again what God has done. Why do we point to the cross? The cross is one of a picture full of pain, full of struggle, but ultimately it was the epitome of love. It was the epitome of God's love for us. That he didn't leave us in our mess. That Jesus was always the answer for God's, that God's plan. Jesus was always the answer to God's plan for our world. And that we get a chance to live into that. We have a new identity found in Jesus Christ. This morning, as we point to the cross of Jesus, we sit there and we say, that is where we saw love. That is where God expressed himself to every single one of us. When's the last time you refreshed yourself of the cross of Jesus Christ? That's not just the Easter message that you're supposed to hear on Easter Sunday. That's not just a Good Friday message that you're supposed to hear on Good Friday. When's the last time you sat in the awe and the power and the weight, the glory of the cross? That God saw that you were worth it enough to send his only begotten son. To live a life that nobody could live and die a death that nobody could die for you. Because of the value and love that he has for you. The cross as the epitome of love. What does this mean for us as a group of people who are following in the way of Jesus? Well, I believe that we need to start putting this into practice. Like daily, what would it look like? to remind ourselves little by little of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Last week, Mindy, who's a family member here at Ascent, preached a message, and towards the end, she started to talk about speaking blessing. And she began to talk about and articulate what that looks like and what that means for us. We did a little even exercise. Come on, Ascent, we turned to our neighbor. Wow, we don't often do that. That reminded me of home. We turned to our neighbor. We spoke a blessing. I thought it was so awesome because we all leaned into it. It's okay to talk, people. It's okay to lean into the people that are next to you. Know the person that's next to you. But she said to speak a blessing, and she began to say some different things and give you some different prompts of, may you know, and may you know. And as I sat with last, last week's message and coming into this week and knowing what God has pressed upon my heart of being reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ, last week we got a chance to turn to our neighbor and speak a blessing. My question this week is, when's the last time your own soul has heard you speak a blessing? When's the last time your own presence has heard you speak a blessing over it? Like, when's the last time you encouraged you? When's the last time you preached to you? If I were to take a poll this morning, I would ask, what is the last sermon that you preach to yourself? And maybe it's not something that's overt, but maybe it's something that's subtly, and let's be honest, we all have the thoughts that we carry, and you often tell yourself, and the last thing that your soul has heard you say is that you're not enough, 
that you suck as a dad, that your marriage is failing, that you don't know what to do, that you don't add up, that you feel like a failure. And that's the only message, that's the only narrative, that's the only thing that we hear and I believe our soul needs some refreshing and the power of the gospel has enough to let us know that we can be refreshed by it and renewed by it. So my question to you this morning is what does your soul need to hear? What part of the gospel message does your soul need to hear? Is it that you are made in God's image? Is it that you are valued so much that God saw fit to die on a cross for you? What part of the gospel message are you in need of? Is it that you have an identity in Christ and that you are not what you do? That sometimes you get so caught up in feeling like a hypocrite that the things that you do and you feel like if people only knew the things that I face and things that I struggle with and things that I'm doing and you don't realize that your identity in Christ is not what you do, but it is who you are in him? Is it that you're loved? Is it that you're valued? What part of the gospel message is your soul in need of this morning? And that's my mission for every single one of us. Some point this week, would you remind your soul of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Some aspect of it. And it's not something that was for yesteryears or for something that was a long ago. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not only to save, but to sustain us. There's a prayer that I want to pray over us that Paul writes to another church called Ephesus. In the, in, in the city of Ephesus. And he says these words I want to read to you. This morning, I want you to take as a blessing. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, watch this, how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Paul's praying right now is the same prayer for me and you, that I pray that you will grasp how deep and how wide God's love is for you. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may we, be, and may we all be reminded that it is not just the power to save, but it is the power to sustain us. It's the power to keep us going. It's the power to let us take one step after the next. It's the power to be encouraged. It's the power to be reminded that we are strong enough, that we're able to make it through this. Some of you, you've been struggling, you've been waiting, you've been thinking that you can't do it in your own might. You can't. That's what Jesus is for. And may we find strength in him, knowing that this is the gospel that we must hold on to. If our world is going to be impacted, if our world, if our city is going to impact, feel the impact and the love of Jesus Christ, then we must be people who are reminded ourselves of the power of Jesus Christ and the gospel. So this week, I need you to hold on to one aspect of that gospel. And if you're wondering, Maurice, what is some of that gospel? If you're a person in this room and you're wondering, I don't know that Jesus. I don't know that gospel. 
I want you to make sure that you don't walk through this thing alone. And if you're a person who's wanting to take that step of faith and say, I want to put my faith in Jesus, that's a Jesus that I want to follow. That's a gospel that I need my soul to hear on a daily basis. This is a moment for you that you would accept Jesus. And if you are taking that step, don't do it alone. Reach out to somebody. Reach out to one of the pastors. Reach out to one of the people that you may be sitting next to. Meet. Reach out to somebody that's in a core group, whatever that looks like. But this week, may we all, including the Christians that are in this room, Paul wrote to churches to say that I won't get tired reminding you that Christ died for every single one of us. This morning, we also get an opportunity, like I said, to point to the cross. And this rhythm of ascent on a monthly basis, we try to, as much as possible on a monthly basis, um, have communion. It's this sacrament, it's this sacred moment, it's this engagement in a spiritual practice as we look at Scripture and do exactly what Jesus did. And if you are in need of the elements, if you're in need of a, a cup with, that has a wafer and juice, you can raise your hand. We have people who are ready to give you that. We also have some allergy-free options if you're in need of that as well. But in this next moment, we're going to take communion. And what is communion? It's this moment, watch this, to be reminded. You'll see in the scripture that I'm about to read for you, it's this moment to be reminded. Do you see the echo throughout scripture, the moment that continually be reminded, don't forget, remember, remember the cross, remember Jesus, this continual theme throughout scripture and the rhythm of life in Jesus that we must be reminded so, this moment that we have, and it, could I, can I have a cup as well? Does somebody have a cup, an extra cup for me? Extra cup? Do I have an extra Do you have one? Thank you so much, Mr. Moore. I got you. Jesus gathers with a group of uh, followers of his, and he is reminded, he's reminding them to never forget the cross. And so, I'm going to read a scripture, and you may think to yourself, like, why is this talking about blood? Why is this talking about the body? Just give us a second for a moment, because it's pointing to what Jesus did for us on that day. The scripture reads in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, for I, excuse me, uh, first, oh, nope. Let me read it in your hearing. First, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. A moment to remember Christ and what he did on the cross. This little wafer is a representation of God's body that was broken for us. This cup of juice is a representation of the blood that was shed on that cross. In this moment, I just want to take these elements with you to remind ourselves and sit to say thank you, Jesus, for dying on that cross for you and me. And may my soul be reminded of how deep and how wide your love is for me. You can take your bread. 
can drink of your juice. Lord, this morning, we just want to stop and say thank you. Thank you for the reminder of your gospel. Thank you for the power of your gospel to not only save us, but to sustain us. And may we remind our souls of this refreshing good news every single day. And may we daily come to you, seeking you, knowing that only you are our daily bread. And we can find nourishment knowing that you're right there with us, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. May we hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ that has the power unto salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.